Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Our question for this half hour is, what is Christ's greatest concern? For instance, is it all the school shootings we've been having the last few years? As a kid, I don't remember any of this happening. And then in recent years, we've had school shooting after school shooting. I think Jesus is concerned about that. I don't think that's his greatest concern. Is Christ's greatest concern the starvation rate? According to the United Nations, 21,000 people die every day from hunger and hunger-related causes. I think Jesus is concerned about that. He fed the, the hungry, if you remember, when he was on earth. But that's not his greatest concern. Is Jesus' greatest concern the abortion rate? Do you know, since 1973, in the United States alone, we have killed 58 million babies. The entire population of the United States is 319 million, so we have killed more than one-fifth of the population of the United States. And horrific as abortion is in America, I don't even think that is Christ's greatest concern. Let's try this one. Is Christ's greatest concern all the recent beheadings of Christians? Listen to this. ISIS, the Islamic State, recently executed 12 Christians, including a 12-year-old boy who refused to embrace Islam. This is happening now in Syria and Iraq. Quote, in front of the team leader and the relatives in the crowd, the Islamic extremists cut off the fingertips of the 12-year-old boy, severely beating him. They then told his father they would stop the torture only if he, the father, would come back to Islam. When the father refused, the militants tortured and beat the father and two other ministry workers. The three men and the boy were then crucified. They lived for two days on the cross and then they died. Another woman yelled Jesus right before she was beheaded. Militants took eight aid workers, two of them females, and they proceeded to publicly rape the two females before they executed them. <clears throat> ISIS has executed more than 11,000 people in Iraq and Syria. Over the last 2,000 years, Christians and Muslims have lived peacefully together in those countries. Not anymore. Since ISIS invaded, you either convert or you die or you pay the subjugation tax. They have kidnapped the females and they sell the females into the sex slave trade and they slaughter the males in front of their families. One person says this, we are dealing with a group that makes Nazism pale in comparison. There is no respect for human life. And vicar uh, of, of the only Anglican church in Iraq, Vicar White, Andrew White, has said, Christianity is now coming to an end in Iraq. I think this is real close to the heart of Jesus as his greatest concern. 
But even this, I don't think, is his greatest concern. What is Jesus' greatest concern? Would you take out your Bible? We're going to turn now to Romans chapter 10. And I think here Paul the Apostle will tell us Christ's greatest concern. Romans chapter 10, let's pray first. Father, we want to pray for those Christians who are losing their lives overseas. God, comfort them, strengthen them. We pray you would put an end to what ISIS is doing. But Lord, we would pray now that you'd give each of us the courage to die for Christ if it's needed. And teach us, Lord, what your greatest concern is. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul the Apostle is writing to the Christians in Rome, Romans chapter 10, and he says this verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That, I believe, is Christ's greatest concern, salvation. Jesus wants people to be saved. I had somebody, uh, an elderly man of the church, I was about to get into the pulpit one day, and he, he takes me aside, Pastor Tom, do you know how long eternity is? I said, well, it's forever. And he said, eternity is this huge mountain made out of solid diamond, hardest substance on earth. Once every hundred years, a little bird flies by, rubs its beak once on the top of the mountain, flies away. Hundred years later, the bird comes back, rubs its beak once on the top of the mountain, flies away. Hundred years later, comes back, and he, this man said, when that huge, solid diamond mountain has born, been worn all the way down to nothing, day one of eternity has passed. Have you ever thought about that? When you die, according to the Bible, you either go to heaven for all eternity, or hell for all eternity. You know, Jesus is concerned about the abortion rate, about persecution, about the starvation rate, school shootings, but all those things someday will come to an end. Heaven or hell never come to an end. I think Christ's greatest concern is that people believe in him so they can spend eternity in the right place. Years ago, I saw a not-so-funny far-side cartoon. It's Satan standing at the door of hell, and a line of people are going into hell, and Satan is smiling, and the sign above the door says, Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Christ's greatest concern is that the, as many people as possible hear about him, believe in him for salvation. Let's look at verse 13, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, when Christ returns at the end of time, all the dead will be raised, everyone will stand before Christ. Those who, in this life, called upon him for their salvation, they will be saved on that day. But, Paul's going to ask the question now, how can you do that on Judgment Day? How can you call upon him? Well, uh, look at the next verse, verse 14. But how, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news of great things. So, um, 
My next point is, here's Christ's greatest concern. It is crucial that we send the missionaries. I believe Christ's greatest concern is that we send missionaries all over the globe for the salvation of human beings. There was a certain church here in the United States, and one Sunday morning they took a special offering, and they passed the plate for world missions. And one man turned up his nose as the plate went by, and he said, I don't believe in foreign missions. And the woman next to him said, then take something out of the plate, sir. It's for the heathen. Do you have any concern that people all over the world go to heaven instead of hell? If you don't care about that, I don't know that you're a Christian. Something had happened years ago. I think it was my first year of ministry. I was an assistant pastor, and I got up and preached on world missions. And there was an older man of our church, I think maybe he fought in the Korean War. He was angry at me. I'll be blankety-blanked if I'm going to give my money so that these, and he used derogatory words of Asians, so that these blankety-blanks can be saved. I mean, I, 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 I just sat there with my, what? And the senior pastor kind of jumped in and, and you know, I, that's one moment I kind of wish I could go back and say, sir, you don't care that these Asians go to heaven for eternity instead of hell by believing in Christ? Sir, are you saved? I should have said that. <laughs> Christ's greatest concern is, is for the lost. You know, I remember years ago hearing a missionary from Papua New Guinea speak. And she said she can still remember the chieftain on the shores of the bank as they canoed away saying, remember send someone back, send someone back. And she said, we didn't have the manpower and, or the, the funds to, to put a missionary in that village. And she said, to this day, we haven't sent a missionary back to that village. And, and it haunted her, the voice, remember, send someone back. Well, I want to I wanna just close this part of the sermon. I want to share with you Four suggestions for Christians who care about the salvation of the lost. You know, I, I go to churches sometimes and they'll have the prayers and they'll pray for the environment or they'll pray for, you know, something. Uh, but they never pray for the salvation of the lost. If you're concerned that you, your family, your friends, the people in Papua New Guinea go to heaven, I want to give you four suggestions if you care. Suggestion number one, do not consider becoming a missionary. Let me repeat that. Do not consider becoming a missionary. Understand this. You already are a missionary. When you were baptized, you received that commission. You go to where you're at. Maybe you work at the factory. Maybe you're a full-time mom at home. Maybe your grandparents. Maybe you go to school. Wherever you're at in life, that is your mission field. You go every day to your mission field knowing, I'm not going to become a missionary. I am a missionary. You know, when you, when you go to the, get your car fixed, see yourself as a missionary. <laughs> I mean, I was, I got my car fixed. I went to this place in Minneapolis here. Uh, uh, he's Vietnamese. And so I, I'm waiting, I'm sitting in the outer office getting my car, waiting for my car. And the uh, Vietnamese mechanic is up at the front register and he's talking to somebody. He says, yeah, people ask me if I'm saved. Well, I think I'm good enough. I think I'll go to heaven. I wrote him a letter. 
Dear sir, thank you. You did a wonderful job in my car. Just thank you for the great job you did on my car. I happen to hear your conversation. Just so you know, nobody's good enough to get to heaven. We all deserve hell because of our sins. It's only by Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins that we will be saved. Please read the little pamphlet I've included. That's called being a missionary no matter where you go, no matter who you are. Do not consider becoming a missionary. As a Christian, you are. Second suggestions for people who care about souls. Hold up the ropes. And here's what I mean by that. Many years ago, there was a couple that felt called to become missionaries to the hellhole of Africa. There was a certain area in Africa where missionaries would go, they'd die of disease, and it was very scary to go there. And he stood in front of his church and said, my wife and I are going to go, but we feel like we are being layered, lowered down into a pit. Would you hold up the ropes as we go overseas? Would you hold us up in prayer as we go to Africa? Well, they go to Africa. A few years later, the missionary comes back to the States, slips into the back pew of the church for their Wednesday night prayer meeting. He hears them pray about all kinds of things. At the end of the prayer meeting, he, couldn't, he came up and stood before them. He was very thin. And he said, I'm your missionary. You didn't hold up the ropes. I heard you pray about yourself and your building and, and the neighborhood. You didn't mention my wife and I. And I have buried a wife and a small child in Africa. And I now am ill. You didn't hold up the ropes. Can I ask you to do this? Pray regularly for the missionaries. This is my little prayer sheet. And I've got about, I don't know, 25 different missions and missionaries that I pray for. I normally do this on a Monday. Once a week, I take this out and I pray over them. You know, go to your church, ask them, who are our missionaries? Who can I pray for? Hold up the ropes. Third suggestion for people who care about salvation Live simply. You know, I was a little boy and I heard this story. So this, sometimes when a preacher preaches a good story, it sticks. Here's the story that I heard when I was about 10 years old. The pastor said there was a little boy with a dime. And a missionary came to church and preached. And the little boy after church went up and said, Well, Mr. Missionary, I thought about putting my dime in the plate, but what can my little dime do? And the missionary said, Well, give it to me, little boy, and when I come back, I'll tell you. And so the story goes that a couple, year, a couple months, years, whatever, later, he comes back. And the little boy comes up after church. Mister, do you remember me? Why, yes, son, I think I do. Well, what happened to my dime? And the missionary said, I was traveling through China. I had to go through a village that I couldn't stay at, but I gave them a copy of the New Testament. And when I returned, they had read the New Testament. The whole village wanted to be baptized. And do you know what it costs to print a New Testament in Chinese? One dime. <laughs> so my point is, you know, we live in America. Even the poor people watching this show, by world standards, we're very rich. Christians, and I'm preaching to me too, let's live simple lives and send buckets to missionaries. Many years ago, there was a man in England by the name of Robert Arlington. He was a very wealthy man, but he lived in a small white cottage. 
And people wondered, what is he doing with his money? Because they knew he was rich. After he died, they went into his home. They wondered if they'd find gold under the floorboards, and they didn't find anything except a letter. Dear Mr. Arlington, we have heard you are ill. We are praying for you. But we want you to know how much we appreciate that lo these many years, you have sent us your wealth so we could preach the gospel in the Belgian Congo. Signed, your missionaries. I want to encourage you. If you don't tithe, take 10% of your income and give it every week to the work of your church and the missions. And most of us can more than tithe, live a simple life, and more than tithe and give to missions. And last thought for those who care about souls. Think about going. You don't have to be a preacher to be used overseas. They need teachers, nurses, doctors, plumbers, construction workers, just about any skill you might have, there, there's something you can do overseas. So pray about whether you're to be a, a, a missionary. You can do a, a two-week mission trip. It's called short-term missions. Look, look Google short-term evangelistic missions, STEM. You can go overseas for two weeks and try it out. But um, maybe because America has heard the gospel so much, it's time that we move somewhere that hasn't heard it and use our skills. I, I say all this, that's the end of the sermon, but again, it kind of haunts me too. There is still a chieftain on the shores of a river in Papua New Guinea that is still waiting for somebody to come and tell them about Jesus so they can be saved. That is Christ's greatest concern. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. If you have a question you'd like Pastor Brock to answer on a future show, please don't hesitate to send it to us because we'd love to take and answer that question for you. Pastor Brock, can we talk a little bit more about missions and that? Mm -hmm. What about people who have never heard and don't have missionaries? Mm -hmm. Are they really truly lost? Aren't they well, a part of God's creation? Well, yeah, we're, we're all, here's the deal, we're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. God made everybody. But when people say, well, we're all children of God, no, we're not. The Apostle Paul says in, in uh, is it Ephesians? We're children of God's wrath. That's how we start out. We become God's children when we have faith in Christ. So no, everybody is not a child of God. You need to have faith in Christ to be a child of God. So um, yeah, that's one of the harder questions you get asked. What about these people that have never heard? Are they going to hell because they never heard? Well, I heard somebody say, nobody goes to hell because they didn't hear about Christ. We go to hell because of our sin. And, and so I think it's, it's the hard truth is he who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Yeah. But if nobody tells them... Then that's our fault, but, but still, Jackie... Shouldn't we be damned rather well, we, than we that we are, person? Well, we are definitely accountable. And, and, uh, but, you know, there are some Christians that think... I mean, here's, here's what is absolutely wrong. When people say, well, oh, it's partly right. Well, the people that never hear about Jesus will be judged by what they did by the law of God written on their heart. 
Okay, I'll agree with that. The problem is we're all judged sinful by the law of God written on our heart. So some people think, well, if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. Nobody is good, Jackie. If God judges us by the law he wrote on our hearts, we're all going to hell anyway. So that doesn't work either. There are some Christians who believe that if somebody who doesn't hear about Jesus cries out to the God who made heaven and earth, help, I need mercy, forgive my sins, some Christians believe that is tapping into the salvation through Christ, even though they've never heard of him. I don't know that that's true. Paul in Romans 10 doesn't seem to talk that way. I think our only sure bet is to get the missionaries out for the salvation of souls. How does a person know if God wants them to be a missionary? Well, you know, I remember years ago I, when I was in college, some, some missionary said, given the fact that America is gospel glutted, that you can hear the gospel anytime you turn on TV if you want in America, she said, we should assume God wants you overseas unless you get a specific call to stay home. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. And, but I guess uh, bottom line, you pray, you seek the Lord. God, do you want me to go overseas? Do you want me to just move to a different state to, to, to work in some Christian group? Um, you got to pray on it and just wait on the Lord. Pastor Brock, are there skills that a person has to have in order to be a missionary? Well, you can, I, I, like I just said, there are all kinds of skills they need. In the, they need construction workers, they need nurses, you know, just about teachers, just about anything you can do can be used in the mission field. And there are old people. Here's a doctor, 65 years old, decides to go overseas and he's a missionary. So it doesn't matter the age either. And you mentioned how how do people find out about these opportunities? Yeah, you mentioned yeah. STEM. <clears throat> yeah, one. STEM, short-term evangelistic missions. You can Google that and ask them, can I go on your next trip? Because they're always taking trips overseas for two weeks. Or go to your church. There's lots of groups like STEM. Just you know, a lot of churches go on what they call short-term missions. And you can join a church uh, for two weeks to go to Haiti or wherever. Is that truly being a missionary, though, if you just do it as a two-week term I, thing? I, th I mean, I, aren't I, we all called right. in our life yeah, to we are. be? We are. You know, what happens, though, sometimes people do this for two weeks and think, this is what I'm supposed to do, and they end up being full-time missionaries. But, yeah, you're right. Jackie, you're, you, know, you worked in the police department for a gazillion years, <laughs> and, and you're a grandma. That's your calling in life. That's your mission field. Okay, so the people around us can be our mission. Yeah, they are. Okay, you also said that um, living simple is what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. So does that mean it's wrong for a Christian to have material things? Mm -hmm. I, you know, the, I think it's not wrong to have a car in the house, et cetera, et cetera. But tell me why a Christian needs three houses, four cars, uh, tell me why some of these TV preachers really need a jet. Come on, you know. And so I don't, if, if he really needs a jet to fly over, all over the world to really preach the gospel, okay. But does this guy really need a jet? Some of this TV stuff drives me a little crazy. Well, that's kind of the second part of this question that I have for you. Doesn't God um, cause those who love him to prosper? Yeah. The, so if yeah. you're prospering... Right. Let's talk about the prosperity gospel. Yeah. It's a false teaching in the church today. You hear it from a lot of TV preachers. I could name them. And their teaching is if you believe in Christ, you're going to get more money and all of your diseases will be healed. There's some truth to that. 
For instance, Jackie, if I have a drinking problem and I can't hold a job because I keep showing up drunk to work, but then I come to Christ and I start going to a Christian AA group and I start cleaning up my life and I can hold a job and I prosper. That's true. When you follow God, generally you do prosper. But Jackie, the Christians that are being beheaded over and the prosperity gospel does not work in Syria or Iraq. These Christians are poor and they're losing their heads for the sake of Christ. How come they're not flying a jet? See, the prosperity gospel doesn't work. Okay, you just mentioned that. What, what can we do to help those people that yeah. are being persecuted? Yeah. I would say, you know, we, everybody go to persecution.org or call International Christians Concern 188 188, I'm sorry, skip that, 1-800-ICC-5441. 1-800-ICC-5441, or just Google them at persecution.org. And I get their newsletter every month. I pray for these dear people. I give money to International Christian Concern. They take care of the wives and the children of the husbands that have been killed. So people can go to persecution.org and start to support them. Has there always been persecution in the church? Yes, there has. And Jesus told us this was coming. So, you know, I pray that the persecution will stop. But on the other hand, Jesus told us this is part of following me, so it's, it's going to happen. Okay, one more question, actually a two-part one. Mm -hmm. Where in the world is Christianity spreading the fastest, mm -hmm. and where is it dying out? Mm -hmm. Well, let's start with the bad news. <laughs> The bad news is that Europe used, many years ago, Europe was strongly Christian. America has been strongly Christian. Well, Europe is maybe 50 years ahead of us. They have lost the faith. People in Germany, Scandinavia, Sweden, these used to be strongholds of the faith, England even. Almost nobody goes to church. There are churches there, they're empty, a lot of them. Uh, and there are people that go to church in these, in these nations, but the church attendance has gone way down. America church attendance has gone down. We're still much more church attending than Europe, but the attendance in America at church has gone down in, in recent decades. So that's where Christianity is, is dying. That's the bad news. The good news is Africa is ready to overtake the United States for having the most number of Christians. Africa is, is, Christianity is really spreading in Africa and in parts of Asia. So Is that because we've sent so many missionaries to those yes, countries? Yes, yes. And, and you know, it's, what's crazy, Jackie, we have people, what time we got? Africans who watch this TV show, they live here now, they love our show because our Lutheranism is what they grew up with. But the Lutheranism here is so liberal, they don't, they don't recognize it. <laughs> so Okay, it's kind of a sad commentary. It very much <laughs> is, yeah. Thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. God. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.